Roger. Hammer 3 has got engine problems now. Hammer, let's, let's uh, retrograde west. Roger, let's head west. I've taken hit. I'll be getting out of the airplane. I'm going to continue to glide as long as I can. Start finding me, boys. Yo. Yo. Well, hey, shit, it works. Yeah, that was Dude. pretty convenient. Even does the screen name, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, the audio seems pretty decent, too. It sounds... You sound way clearer. Are you using it like a headset or something? I'm using a different headset because my <clears throat> AirPods are on the fritz, I realized. Um, yeah. So I think episode two, I had issues and I sound like a robot. Yeah, this, this sounds like way better. Yeah. So yeah, I'm using a different headset. And then obviously, like last episode, we were on speaker uh, with uh, our other guest. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, hey, listeners, uh, it's been, uh, been two weeks. It's been a lot of soul searching after episode three. And uh, we are committed to delivering the finest content the finest <laughs> only the best it's like a finely aged wine but somebody forgot about it so it's just vinegar now and it tastes like shit but you're like nah it'll do <laughs> that's a, it's good do pig. that'll do pig <laughs> oh yeah um no but really like just life got in the way last week and so we were unable to record um but we are we we are kind of going to be a, a little more structured going uh, forward from here i think um so Hitman and I have been talking, and uh, our goal is to kind of hit current events and military uh, history stuff, um, any kind of defense news up front, and then talk media, pop culture, and other other references and kind of the more personal talk uh, towards the tail end. So hopefully have that a little more structured. The inverse correlation between Bruski's drink and coherence of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, right, the the podcast knows where it is because <laughs> <laughs> it does this by comparing the number. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a good one. I actually have a couple of really good topics for today uh, that I want to talk about. Are you sipping? What are you, what are you sipping on? Uh, I'm just got a little coffee here. I can't get too lit because I got family. Uh, that's fair. I got a uh, vodka white claw. Or vodka mm. truly. Oh. Just crush the coconut water because if I'm going to be stupid, I'm going to be smart about it. So there you go. Yeah, that's you know. that's a good life <laughs> motto to live by. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. You want to you want to kick us off? What, what do you got? Yeah. Well, I mean, current events. I think the the big one on everyone's mind would be uh, Ukraine. It looks like they've finally launched their yep their counteroffensive. What have you seen on that? So, man, getting into that first, I got to say that. Did you see that video they released about like, oh, make sure you have good opsec, and it's all dudes like doing the shush symbol no, to their face? Oh, no, dude, it gave me chills. It was fucking awesome. Like, oh, really? Okay. PR department in Ukraine is insane. Yeah, it's basically a link like to this, that after this. Yeah, it's basically like a compilation of like different types of soldiers, and they're all they all like, you know, put their finger up to their mouth to be like, you know, the shush symbol. Yeah, and it's like. All you can hear is like the birds chirping and the wind in the trees. Ah, oh, it was epic. Like oh. awesome PR campaign. So I guess they released that like right before the offensive. Nice. Or like leading up to it. Um, but yeah, that was pretty baller. But yeah, the offensive man. Like, I I'm surprised to see like some of the combat footage coming out. Is it still cold there? Like, the combat footage I'm seeing come out still, or like dudes bundled up in jackets and like. 
I don't know. I, I I figured they'd wait till it got like warmer out for some reason. Maybe like I don't know if they have a rainy season that they want to avoid in the spring or. Um, no, actually, I think they're they're running late uh, from what they initially said they were going to do. Um, mm. And I think that was, I don't know, I imagine that was pressure from the West to be like, hey, just get a little bit more ready here. Yeah. Um, I did see it looks like they lost uh, their first leopard. So hit a mine. So I saw another post that was like, oh, this is photoshopped. So there's, two, yeah, like, there's, there's two. Okay. <laughs> there's, there, yeah, there's one that was a, someone photoshopped, I think, a Turkish tank. Yeah, it was a Turkish tank knocked out in um, northern Syria, I think, or something. Yeah. Then uh, they had a leopard that hit a mine. Okay, um, that makes sense. But they actually did recover it. I saw that this morning. Yeah. They were able to get it back to friendly lines. Uh, they lost a couple of uh, a couple of Bradleys as well. Um, so, I mean, they've, yeah, they've been having a tough time. But Yeah, but that's uh, it happens. Like That's the we, unavoidable part of it. Yeah, when you're going on the offensive against a enemy that's been entrenching for six months. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty wild. A lot of misinformation obviously going around, and so I don't want to make any conclusions or draw anything beyond just what we can see with our eyes. And even beyond that, like referencing the Photoshop thing, like sometimes yeah. what we see isn't real. Um, so what do you think on timelines? So it looks like they're on three fronts. Uh, they're, they're pushing Bakhmut. Uh, they're pushing Zaporozhia, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, and they're pushing a uh, southern, uh, kind of a southeastern push. So Zaporizhia, that's where like where some of the bad flooding was, right? Exactly. Oh, that's some a good of the, one, yeah. Some of the stuff I saw in that was like the Russians have basically been routed. Like they accidentally, well, I don't know, incompetence, a little of both, flooded their own positions. Yeah. And I guess like once Ukrainian forces started you know, approaching the floodplains or moving through them or, I don't know, maybe across them already. But, I, I, you know, I've seen the preliminary stuff. It's like, oh, the Russians are being routed and Zaporizhia area. So I don't, I don't know. I, I hope so, man. I mean, I would not be happy. the power plant is there, right? It is. In the, the ZPP the, power plant? It's in that region. I'm, I'm bad in the, uh, the actual geography of where it is. Uh, it's, it's along the river, and its cooling is drawn from the reservoir that's now pretty, pretty much drained. Oh, uh, well. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is that it's been shut down, and so the the, uh, the cores are all cooled and yeah. like, not active. Um, so it's, I guess, not really a risk at this time for a nuclear accident. Because you have to pull the cores out of... How do you turn a, uh, a reactor off? I you, think you, you just... You pull the rods out, right? I, then if you po- expose them to air, don't they explode or something? Bro, you're ask, asking a uh, social studies major. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think shit. back to the Chernobyl uh, TV series. Because when you leave it in water, right, that's what makes, that's what generates steam because it reacts with the water. It heats up the water and it creates yep. steam, which drives the turbines. Yep. But what happens if you take the rods out of the water and they're still hot as fuck? Well, I think that they were, they were cooled in the water. They basically just stopped the reaction somehow. Mm. Yeah, like the mm, nuclear okay. reaction. That heats it up, I think, yeah. is what it is. Because it's not just like putting a rod in the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like a case around the rod. Yeah. It's not just like inert uranium. You just drop yeah. it in the water and it creates steam. Yeah. Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know. Again, we're not nuclear physicists here. Maybe we could. I mean, we could figure on. it out. Yeah. Or, or we'd be one of the extra people who uh, touches the demon core and yeah. dies from it. <laughs> yeah. How many, thi- how many things is that? How many people is that thing killed? Like at least two? 
Uh, yeah, way less though, like than expected in terms of yeah. like actual casualties from Chernobyl. It was Could, no, I'm oh. talking about the Demon Core. Which one's that? That's the. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in the U.S. So it was a. It was a. Oh, was that the 11 Mile Island one? No, it wasn't a little ball of nuclear material, and it's killed a couple people because they accidentally made it go critical, oh. or like they they caused it to activate. I don't know. I don't know the terminology. Basically, like the first guy, I think, was like trying to put the casing around it, and he uh-huh. accidentally touched the core with like some of the metal from the casing, Oopsie. and it and it made made it go critical, and he just got like a massive dose of radiation. Oh, that would. Suck. And then the second dude, I think he like dropped a screwdriver on it, or tried to open the case with a screwdriver or something, and the screwdriver touched the core, mm. and it and it went critical again, and like yeah, he like massive radiation poisoning. Oh. Yeah, I'd have to look into that, but that just sounds... I mean, radiation poisoning has to be one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, I'd rather just take a bullet, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You just sit there, like, literally melting. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, with the offensive, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, a part of me is like, oh... Well, the selfish part of me is like, oh, it's just going to be a route. Like, yeah. these poor, like starved desperate like draftees and and wagner troops and it's going to the point where it's like it's one thing to just hold the defensive line to be like all right you know we're and it's another thing to have like mechanized infantry and armored divisions like steamrolling towards you and you're like yeah you know this uh this ain't this ain't it like i'm, yeah. I'm not really about this um, yeah especially once they start getting past the first like because the the troops are like well back from the defenses, right? Because they got like the anti tank yeah. trenches, they got the dragon's teeth, and then like back from all that is where the actual troops are with the ATGMs and uh, their their own armor support. And so, yeah, yeah. once you start seeing like, uh oh, they're actually coming. Yeah. yeah, that would that would not be a be a fun day to be a Russian conscript. Uh, here, yep. Here, so here's the uh, the first big topic that I wanted to hit that is just bizarre. Did you see the news out of the uh, the Alps in Italy about a boat capsizing? Huh? Yeah, so it was a little like pleasure boat out in the lake in the Alps, and uh, like a weird, crazy storm hit it, and it capsized. It was carrying like twenty something people, and four of them died. Jeez! But one of the people who died was ex Mossad. The other, another person who died was a Russian citizen who had a permit to live in Italy. Huh? Everyone else on the boat was either uh, Israeli or Italian intelligence. What? And, like, all of the Israelis, like, they got to shore, they all got rescued, and they, like, abandoned their hotel rooms, abandoned their rental cars, and all went straight back to Israel. What? Yeah. Dude, there's some, something's going on with that. Dude, there's... Hey, you okay. got me? Yeah. That, I... was, that was weird. The last thing <laughs> I heard you say was Hamas, and then I was like, oh, in- interesting. And then I was like, uh, hello? <laughs> Yeah, I think it might be it might be a thing with the app where I have to like actually keep it active rather than like switching over to my notes. Mm. Um, and then I'm also my my uh, screen went out, so I think I might have to just keep it turned on. Uh, okay, I got that's you. fine. Um, but yeah, so they just Israel was just killing people all over Europe for decades, um, and so it's a whole. I mean, this is a comprehensive history. This this uh, it's basically relentless strike, but for Israel. Like the, this reporter mm-hmm. had access to so many people some of whom he names and others are like he can't actually name because they're still active 
yeah. or they're like afraid of repercussions. Um, and it basically goes up until 2018 is when it was published of them like getting into killing Iranians and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But phenomenal book, but it also has some really funny parts, like not intentionally funny, but uh, first off, there's this guy that they're trying to kill uh, who worked with the uh, the PLO initially with uh, Yasser Arafat and them. Mm-hmm. And his name is literally Abu Jihad. No way. And I'm like, yo, that's like calling Johnny Manziel Johnny Football. Like, oh, you're yeah. kind of good at this thing, so we're just gonna call you like that, the most that's generic. just like the the go to every every American service member used for the last like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so we gotta kill Abu Jihad. What? Yeah, but this dude survived for like 30 years. I mean, they tried to kill him for a long time, and they you know they finally got to him. It's just like the ultimate game of tag, right? Um, yeah, yeah. They uh, their their final big push against the PLO was called uh, I think it was called picking anemones, like the little uh, sea creatures. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where they they transitioned from killing like mid level uh, financiers and like suicide bomb makers and all that. They transitioned from that to they're like, all right, we're just gonna fucking kill the high level uh, political figures in the yeah. PLO. Uh, and so they, I mean, they whacked some dude and both PLO and Hamas and, uh, that basically finished it. <clears throat> um, but in that, one of the other, the other unintentionally funny things is their use of letter bombs. Hmm. And, and it started in, uh, I think the sixties, Egypt was, uh, recruiting German scientists to build surface to surface missiles for them, which, Israel uh, rightly viewed as an existential threat from Egypt, yeah. but they didn't have access inside Egypt to get these guys, uh, and so they uh, they kidnapped one of the guys in Germany, I believe, um, one of the head guys, and got him to give a bunch of information. Which I mean, obviously, it was like a huge diplomatic thing to kidnap a German citizen inside his own country and then bring him back to Israel and interrogate him. Um, but they're like, how do we get to these other guys who are in Germany? In, in Egypt. And they're like, well, what about letter bombs? You know, we, let's try that. And then over the next several decades, letter bombs just became like this. It was like their, their default option. They're like, well, nothing else works. We're not yeah. letter bombs. And like the letter bombs literally never worked. And so every time, like the, the guy reading the book, you know, the narrator is so like kind of clinical. He'll be like, you know, and then so-and-so opened the, the letter and mangled three, uh, three fingers on his left hand and all the fingers on his right hand. And lost all sight out of his right eye. And then, like, the next letter bomb did functionally the same thing to so-and-so's secretary. And, like, every I mean, time, that's basically all that happens. If you're targeting engineers, though, and you blow off fingers and eyes, I mean, you know, that's that's pretty effective. It's definitely scary, but... Right? Uh, but it just, it was so funny because it was, like, four different times, like, four different campaigns, starting with these German scientists... And it literally worked twice where they actually used books um, as like a, it was like a gift. And so they carefully picked like what book would this person be interested mm, in? Because you'd always open it. You'd always yep. have your face like pointing towards it. Yeah. And so that was the, the, the two times it worked was with books. And then they tried it again against a guy in Syria. And he was actually he actually described the reason he survived was he set the book on a table and he was just sitting next to the table and opened it. 
And he said, like, yeah, if I'd actually like had it in my lap and opened it, mm. it would have blown my head off. But instead, it just mangled him pretty good. But he still survived. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the letter bombs were just cracking me up because like, I mean, this is a twenty. It was like a twenty-three hour audiobook, you know. And so like, you're just listening to it, and then like you get to a new a new threat, whether it's uh, Hamas or Hezbollah um, or you know different scientists, and they're like, no, what about letter bombs? <laughs> It's all this like elaborate planning, and someone in the back is just like, "What if we just fucking just put a bomb in the mail?" Yeah, We're like holy shit, that could actually work. Yeah, little. I mean, some of this stuff, it was like uh, Wiley Coyote just going into the Acme store. Like that was just <laughs> that was the the Mossad was just like, yeah, uh, like they hit one guy. It was a big political blowback for them. They hit a guy in, uh, I think it was in Jordan. Yeah, it was in the capital of Jordan in Amman. Yeah, uh, and he was a key member of uh, which I mean, they're all the organization are blending together. I think it was Hamas, um, and so their move was that they were going to hit him in the back with a um, a dose of uh, fentanyl, mm-hmm. and they were going to do it with a. It's called an ultrasound, which is basically how you deliver uh, medicine without doing a shot, you know, without doing an injection. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they were going to hit him with that. And so the two guys got, like who were going to do it got the green light. And so they see their target. They start walking up behind him. And it was actually really sophisticated because you would feel something hit the back of your neck, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, they didn't want the guy to know he'd been poisoned. And so they had the other, you know, one guy was going to deliver the dose. The other guy had a shaken up can of soda. And so at the same time the guy delivered the dose, the other guy was going to crack the soda. What? So when he turned and looked, he would just think that he got hit with a little bit of fizz from mm. the soda. So actually really smart, but at the last second, the guy's uh, kids who were in the car with him, they were supposed to go to school. They come running up to say goodbye to their dad. Two assassins didn't see him. And so he turns around and sees this Israeli with his arm up to deliver the dose, gets hit in the ear with it, which is still going to be lethal. Uh, The two two assassins run off. They end up getting arrested Hmm. by the Jordanians. Because uh, the the Hamas guys had a pretty good security infrastructure there, so they were actually able to chase him down. Yeah, Jordanians arrested him. It was this huge diplomatic incident, uh, and it ended up the Israelis had uh, an antidote on hand just in case one of their guys got hit with the dose by accident. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up being like the deal was that the Israelis would basically save this guy's life. He was in the hospital like hours from death. Yeah, and th- then their guys would get released. What? Um, but yeah, huge blowback on that one. Uh, yeah, saved the guy's life and set him back, you know, years. Um, yeah, I mean, there were several instances like that where stuff just went horribly wrong. Uh, there was an incident in Norway where they thought they had this this key guy, and they were like, he's a you know, spitting image of this guy. He's got to be the same guy. And uh, so they walk up, shoot him in the face, and and leave. And then uh, turns out he was just a doppelganger. Uh, hmm. six, six of their guys got arrested uh, throughout Europe and, and Norway trying to leave and trying to get back to Israel. And uh, again, just huge black eye for the Mossad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great book. Just fascinating history. Uh, there was a, a kind of leaves you with the impression that um, Ariel Sharon might have had Yasser Arafat assassinated. What? Yeah. Because he, he basically spent the last two years of his life in this like one compound basically under siege like yeah the israelis were like you know fuck this guy and so they just surround the compound 
make his life miserable. They'd cut the power randomly. They'd cut the water randomly. And then all of a sudden he like within like days he dies. And so Ariel Sharon had promised George Bush that like, we're not going to kill Arafat. And then I guess, uh, Sharon's spokesman, uh, who was real close with him in his book basically recounts that like at another meeting, Sharon tells Bush like, yeah, that promise no longer stands. Hey, I changed my mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Taking that one back. And so, yeah. And then within like a few weeks, uh, Arafat starts showing these symptoms and dies very quickly. And so, yeah, very inconclusive. Like he had multiple medical examiners from different countries look at him. Um, and so there's like some speculation that it was polonium. Um, wasn't that they, the same stuff? They slipped in that guy's jacket in the cold ward, kill him. Yeah. They put like a little, a little like grain, mm-hmm. something super radioactive in his coat. And it just like, yeah, just had radiation poisoning from it. Yep. Yeah, so it was that, or it could have also been AIDS. Um, what? Yeah, because uh, I guess the Israelis have video proof of from Romania. Arafat was in Romania, and the KGB was spying on him, and he was hooking up with his bodyguards. And then the like, Romanian, Romanian KGB shared this info with uh, the Israelis. Yeah, his male bodyguards. What? Yeah. That's since What? Damn, he should have yeah. been like, uh, what's his face? Who had only, he had like the super Amazonian women bodyguards. Oh, was, yeah. that, uh, Gaddafi? Gaddafi. was that Gaddafi? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Gaddafi. Dude, he just had these absolute like dominatrix, like <laughs> units, dommy, mommy bodyguards. They were just like, <laughs> the proportions on them were just like cartoons, bro. It, it, they were like, they were like Dexter's lab proportions, like yeah. Dexter's mom. Yeah. Like the like these women were cute. Like I don't know how tall he was. Like I feel like most like heavy handed dictators. No, I feel like they're usually tall. Really? They're either they're either tall, really tall, or they're really short. But Gaddafi looked like he was really tall. I don't know. Let's look but, that up. Uh, um, Hussein was uh, wasn't Hussein super tall? I mean, not after he died. He lost a solid like foot he was he, well he was negative six feet after that <laughs> well, well actually head, he head probably got off. taller because he got lynched right yeah but then his head popped off it came off mm-hmm. no it didn't i think it did look that up i've seen the video but it i don't it doesn't look like it also it looks like they hung him in like a watchtower or something it's very like narrow oh, it's I like nowhere I've, public i have not seen the video i'm pretty sure there's a lynching video of hussein i can't remember Ugh, that's just brutal well, at least he didn't get. Do you remember when getting Gaddafi'd was a verb? Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Those were different times. Yeah. Oh, that was a th- another tough way to go. Yeah. He he really did go out like uh, Mussolini, didn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah, just absolutely just, hated. Yeah, just dragged it into the streets and just like destroyed. Yeah, yeah. and that's what a mob will do to you. Did you see that? Um, Mussolini's like granddaughter is like an Italian senator. Yeah, it's crazy. And somebody tweeted, it's kind of fucked up, but it's also kind of funny. Somebody like tweeted at her a picture of Mussolini and his and his mistress when they're like strung up upside down. Oh, and all she wrote back was, "You're you are a bastard." <laughs> I mean, he was a horrible dude, but it was still her granddad, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, yeah, 
I or it, it was that. like it was like her great uncle. They they're related somehow. He she might be a direct descendant. Like I uh, think she is. I feel like because uh, I remember seeing this in the news. And I'm also pretty sure she's like a very far right yeah. politician as well. And it's like, well, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the uh, from the tree, I guess. No, no, yeah. like, dude. Nationalism is sweeping Europe, dude. Shout out. Like, I mean, not shout out, quote unquote, but like the the Polish have been like very and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, I think they're they've always been like pretty hardline about that stuff. Yeah. When you've been steamrolled from East and West for a few hundred years, like you're going to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And then Germany's had a big I mean, ever since the um, Arab Spring and like the immigrant mm-hmm. influxes and stuff like. I think, like, before that, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you know, come, we'll take immigrants. And then it was, like, millions of them, like, ah, you know, it's just, you know, there's ah, seats taken kind of thing. <laughs> and it's just, so, it, yeah, it's, it started rising. So it's just, it's weird. Well, in Italy especially, because Italy's kind of taken the brunt of the immigrant crisis. They're like, oh, hell no. Yeah. Yeah, Italy and uh, Turkey are just fed up with it. I mean, it's kind of like Texas, really, if you look at it, like. Yeah. You know, I'm sure like New York is fine with immigration until the uh, Texas governor start, starts busting up to New York. It's kind of the same with Germany. It's like, oh, yeah, immigrants are great until they start showing up. Like, ah. I mean, to be fair, New York City is just run by like other nationalities. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you've got the Dominicans. You've got Chinatown. You've got, you know, the the the, the Orthodox Jews. You've got you know, like the Polish community, like you've got everybody there. Yeah. They are running this shit. They're like, Oh, this is an American. No, this is our city. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Then you've got like the supersized rats that can drag off an entire slice of New. by the way, dragging off a New York, uh, style slice of pizza, like the huge fucking (laughs) slices. Yeah. It's one thing if a rat, you know, ran away with like a like a Domino's medium pizza slice. Yeah. You know, what is that? Like four inches across maybe? Yeah. But a New York style slice. That's like a one foot long slice of pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that like swept the country for a solid week. Like the pizza. Yeah, rat. that picture that picture just went around for so much. And it was it was always funny. Yeah. Always funny to look at. Yeah. It's like, yep, another day. Yeah, New York's crazy, man. Like Cubans, the the Orthodox Jews, like Haitians, Dominicans, yeah, all German the uh, Middle Eastern, Polish Middle Eastern taxi drivers. Yeah, like, dude, and that's the thing about New York taxi, dude. I can't like even with GPS, I still get lost sometimes. These yeah. New York drivers, like the the skill level is insane. Like, it it would be a detriment for them to use a GPS because it wouldn't as be it wouldn't be as reliable as them just being like, oh, like I know a faster way or like. You yeah. got to go down here and then drive down this alley for a shortcut. And like, dude, being a New York taxi driver would be insane. Yeah. Like, if if ever New York, for some whatever reason, was just swept off the map, like, if, uh, wasn't it in Watchmen, the movie that New York gets, like, neutron bombed I by Dr. Know. Manhattan? I think so. Anyways, if New York was to just get a rate, like, it was just blink out of existence, you would just have the taxi drivers show up. 
to like a sand table and just be like, all right, guys, we need you to reconstruct New York City. And they're like, I got you. And they would just <laughs> rebuild it. The, they would draw the the plans for the city. They draw the streets, like the the, the monument. We we could rebuild New York in like a couple of years with just yeah. taxi drivers' knowledge yeah. of the of the city. Honestly, we should just have the taxi drivers be like, hey, we want you guys to make it as efficient as possible. And be like, we got you. <laughs> and they just make the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's already it's fine as, yeah, it's good as it is. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's funny as shit, dude. Did I ever tell you about the, the Uber driver I had in DC? Oh, was this the one on the Tesla? Dude, can I can I retell that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this was when uh buddy of my, buddy of mine and I were in DC and we we're getting a ride back from the Capitol, uh back towards uh kind of Georgetown area. And yeah, he had a Tesla with like the giant like 14-inch screen. Basically a laptop screen. Yeah, and he kept, like, he would, like, park in the middle of a bridge. Like, he would just put his hazards on. And, like, he's, like, not sure which turn off of the bridge. Everybody knows if you turn your hazard lights on, you can park wherever you want. Oh, it's, yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was, like, an 11-minute drive. And at, like, minute 14, I was finally, like, just pulled out my phone. And I was, like, all right, man, you're going to take your next left. All right, next left. All right, good. Yep, there you go. All right, you're going to go on this for a mile. Okay, nope, stop sign. Okay, hit the stop. Nope, stop sign. Red light, red light, red light. Oh, there you go. And then, like, it got to the point where he would, like, stop at green lights because he just wasn't oh. sure anymore. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's green. You can go. Oh, God. Yeah, it, it's just like, it's just, I don't know if your dad did this, but my dad did this growing up. He would just never listen to the GPS. Yeah. And we would, is that like a dad thing to just be oh, like, ah, oh, I know where I'm going? Absolutely. It's like not reading the instructions when you're building furniture and then yeah. you just get like mad as fuck. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the same shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine like and kind of circling back to the military stuff like watching Generation Kill, the blue force tracker that they had. Can you imagine navigating off of that thing? No. How shitty that thing was? No. Like but... back then that was like revolutionary. Yeah. But now was... we look back and we're like, where the fuck where am I? But GPS was one of the three main technologies in the second offset strategy. Like that was one of the yeah. key things that allowed like U.S. absolute domination military power. Yeah, because the Iraqis were expecting uh, our tank divisions to to follow LOCs, and instead they're like, "Yeah, we can just go across the desert." <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, it's like, oh man, I don't know if these tanks can make through the desert. I'm just <laughs> going to go on main roads. It's like, uh, no, nope, they, they work on wherever. You yeah. can just actually it might be more efficient because you're, you know, shortest point between, you know, two, <laughs> two, two things is a straight line. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Iraqis, the Iraqis are just like absolutely befuddled. They're like, how did tanks get here? Did they teleport? Yeah. Like, what magic is this? Meanwhile, they take an LOC and then we get the highway of death. Exactly. So, you yeah. know. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame shame on you. Yeah, <laughs> you you remember that? Yeah, Bush was that that was Bush, right? That was Bush. Yeah, that's got to be Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to do any? Do a couple of pop culture references here? Uh, yeah. What do we? What I mean? What do you, What do you got? You kick it off. Uh, so I was watching Kingdom of Heaven the other night. Oh, dude, it just got put on uh, Apple TV. I added it to my list yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to watch this. 
so actually, so I, I, I watched on Amazon. I don't know if the Apple TV one is the same. There's actually a three-hour version. What? Yeah. Uh, the director um, came out and said that, like, the theatrical release is not his movie. He's like, that was, I was forced to cut it by the studio, and it just is, isn't the complete movie. They probably cut a lot of dialogue stuff that would bore well, like, non-committed viewers. Because everybody likes to see the action stuff in theaters, right? Yeah, they basically wanted it to be like an action romance, and he, yeah. he wanted it to be like historically accurate epic. Because a lot of it is historically accurate, as I was like reading. Like, Balian yeah. was a real dude who like had the the friendship of uh, uh, Saladin and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend trying to watch that version over mm. the theatrical version. Um, just let me know how it is. But I was reading the trivia, um, and so the... Um, Shoot, who's the director? I'm blanking on it. Uh, I couldn't tell you. He did Black Hawk Down and Gladiator as well. Uh, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Let me pull look, look it up. Pull that up real quick. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, so while you're pulling that up, so he, so he filmed all three of those movies. Black Hawk Down, Kingdom of Heaven, and Gladiator all in the same place. Basically the early 2000s triple threat. Oh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, yes. And uh, he filmed them all in Morocco, in the same place, which is hilarious when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but it was actually it got to the point where he was actually friends with the king of Morocco. <laughs> he probably brought in like millions of dollars to the country oh, for yeah. filming filming there. Yeah. So a lot of the extras in Kingdom of Heaven and maybe in the other ones as well are Moroccan soldiers. The kingdom, hmm. the king of Morocco, lent lent him fifteen hundred Moroccan soldiers to be what? extras. And then he also was worried about uh, because it was like he was worried about how the Muslim uh, community would view, like, make sure that you're portraying the Muslims correctly in Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, because like politically sensitive. So he actually provided Ridley Scott with bodyguards as well. What? Yeah. Damn! Isn't that wild? That is. That's insane, dude. Yeah, dude. I remember when I was in uh, in college. I don't know if you, have you ever seen Pull up. Pull up. And apparently they just took like a shit ton of extras from Pull up. Too low. Terrain. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to fucking take whoever who can, who can walk in a straight line to be like extras. That's so cool. I remember like getting like emails and should be like, do you want to be an extra in a movie? And I'd be like, that'd be kind of baller. Yeah. And then I was like, nah. But for some reason, like always wanting to be an extra in a movie, like would be baller. It would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think it'd yeah. be kind of cool. Um, no, there's a there's a comedy routine. I can't remember who does it about uh, doing. There was a Civil War movie that was filmed in the South, and they used uh, reenactors as a lot of the extras mm-hmm. because, like, they're they have all the kid already. <laughs> and he's talking. He's like, "Yeah, you know, um, some of you Southern guys kind of look like you're having a little too much fun doing this." Yeah, you, you guys are really good at this. You're, you're getting a little too into it. Huh? Yeah. It was a good performance. But yeah, it was, it was a really good performance. Shockingly good performance. Did we give them those lines? They're like, no, they just... It's, oh, They're, ad, they're ad-libbing that one. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, how do they know what the, you know, the, what to say back in the day? Oh, those are some very anti-North, <laughs> anti-Yankee sentiments. Did you guys a, give them these lines? Like, no, we just told them to walk, and they just—I don't know—they're just good filming. It's like Quentin, Quentin Tarantino and Django Unchained. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's a little too good at this. Yeah, no, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that's, that was heaven, my man, that's a solid movie. 
dude it's so good yeah, I was I was torn between that and uh, Master and Commander, and so I was like, "Bow, oh, dude, Master and Commander." Yeah, so I'm thinking like, um, also my favorite line from that movie where it's like, "What is Jerusalem worth to you? Nothing, everything." Yeah, great line. Oh, when he's like, "I am not those other men. I am Salahuddin." I was like, "Damn." Because I, I remember reading his wiki page, and he was known to be very, like, Honorable. fair and compassionate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he he basically, he captured Balian and then basically released him and said, go get your family, get him out of Jerusalem. So he goes back to Jerusalem, and that's where the people are like, you need to help run the defenses of the city. Balian actually asked Salahadin and said, like, can I break my oath to you? Mm. And Salahadin was like, that is fair. Yeah. And so he's like, got his family out. And then after the, the city fell, Salahadin was like, go be with your family. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's. How, how did. Was it. What was his name? Balian? Balian? Ba- Balian. Yeah. Balian. Balian. Did Italy. he end up settling down with Sybil in real uh, life? Because his wife died originally, right? Yeah. His or wife. She killed, oh, she killed herself. She killed herself. That was the, yeah. the catalyst. No. Uh, it ended up being a whole kind of power struggle for uh, uh, her daughter. I think that it was something to do with her daughter. They were trying to put her daughter up to be queen. Uh, and so he was backing the daughter. And yeah, it was, it was this whole weird politics mm. thing towards the end. I don't think he ended up marrying her, though. Mm. Eva <clears throat> Green in that movie. She's mm-hmm. fine. So every movie Eva Green does with the like super heavy eyeshadow, just... Mm. Perfection, yeah. just, and then she has the uh, the typical um, "I'm going through a breakup or a hard time" moment, and she cuts her hair off. Yep, that's <laughs> 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 so funny. When like he comes to her and he's like, "Hey, we're gonna get you out," and she like already cut her hair. She's like, "Damn it!" She just had the "fuck my shit up" special. <laughs> just a DIY. It's always, it's the DIY bangs equivalent, yeah, but dude. in the 1300s or whatever who it's from. <laughs> Dude, that was that was my hair during the pandemic when I couldn't get it cut at a barber shop, and I was just like, "Fuck, I gotta do it myself." Yeah, I, I got a garage haircut once with a buddy, went, and uh, he did a really good job. And I cut his hair, and I was like, "I have lit- literally not cut hair once in my life." Because he's a dad, so I was like, "He's probably cut his kids' hair at some point." Yeah, and I and I was like, uh, "So what do I do?" He's like, "Oh, well, you know, you just put on the uh, you know the the closer cut, and then you you gotta fade it." And I was like. For uh, a close cut or a lower cut, and then a fade for probably a decade, and I couldn't tell yeah. you how to do it. Because when I'm sitting yeah. in a barber's chair, I'm not like, oh, this is good technique. I'm zone- I'm either zoned out or my eyes are closed. Yeah. But when I when I finish up, he looked good. So like you know, I'll give myself props for that. It was a good haircut. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of instinct. I mean, it was a sense. simple haircut, right? It's like it's like you know, short on the sides, fade. And then just leave the top or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I've cut hair once. Same. It was my own hair. I didn't, and I didn't have a mirror. Like I only had one. Oh, mirror. you cut your own? Yeah. Oh, I not, dude. I would never. I would at least ask someone to cut my hair. Well, it was during. Uh, it was during lockdown. Oh. And so that was nobody who could come cut it, and so I, uh, I didn't have a second mirror. So I literally taped my iPad to a door and FaceTime, <laughs> FaceTime <laughs> myself. This is the most ghetto shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I FaceTimed myself, so I'm holding my iPhone in front of me and like yeah. watching it on the iPad. Yeah, it was a mess. Uh, I mean, shit, if it works. Oh, I it, mean, if you fuck up too, you just buzz it or it grows it, back in like, what, for a grows, dude, it grows back in like a month, right? It grows back fast. Yeah. yeah so, you, yeah. Um, oh, all right. What do you want to, what do you want to finish up with? You want to do defense stuff? Or you wanna, uh, what's, what's the move? Did you have anything else that you wanted to hit? Um, <clears throat> on the defense stuff, I do actually. So there was, there was whispers. This was a while ago with the F-16s. Uh-huh. But apparently the Australians are like, yeah, we've got all these F-18s just sitting mothballed. Ooh. And obviously NCD lost their fucking shit over it. Yeah. But... Man, because the Ukrainians, they're still flying, like, Su-24s, right? Yep. Yeah, that's what they're launching like, the Storm Shadows off of. Yeah, just, like, old, like, admittedly, the F-16 and the Hornet are old as shit, too. But, I don't know, I, I kind of wonder, like, these, like, teasing, you know, we, we remember the teasing for, like, the Abrams and, and the Leopard and the and the Challenger. Yeah. Like, weeks before the official announcement came off, and I was like, man, I wonder if they're doing the same thing with aircraft. Because it's one thing to get a tanker crew. I, I feel like that training is probably, what, two months, maybe yeah. six weeks for a tanker. But a, but a fighter pilot, man, like even like with the internals, like do you have to translate all the, all the beeps and squeaks and buttons to, to, to Ukrainian, like to their alphabet and like all this? Stuff? Like I, I, don't, I don't know how like the skills or the competency would transfer from like a MiG-29 to an F-16. Like I mean, similar era and all that kind of stuff, but like you're talking about two diff- very different aircraft. Yeah, but at the same time, so I mean, it, to, to one extent, a plane is a plane. So if you look at like the Red Eagles in the 70s, where we had we were flying Russian MiGs, uh, and like that was literally like uh, U.S. test pilots would like kind of translate bit by bit, and they're like, "Oh, it's a plane. Here's the throttle. Here's the yeah. you know the stick." Uh, and they just kind of figured it out as they went, and they like wrote their own user manuals. Now this will obviously be much easier because you've got trainers. I think the hardest part is going to be the the maintenance side, not the pilot side. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, like, oh, although I wonder, like with a like with a MiG twenty nine, they've got it's it's an old airframe, right? And they've got probably got parts and stuff and storage and all that. Yeah, but I feel like with an F sixteen, the the back end like material to me seems like it would be more plentiful than oh, a yeah. 29 when yeah. you're cut off from like, you know, the source of it, you, you have what you have Yeah. versus with like the F 18s and the F 16s. I feel like the, the inventory material, the backup uh-huh. would be way more than a make 29 or like a Sioux 24. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean the, yeah, the F 16 is still in production. I mean, they're, I think they're building a F 16 plant in India. So like there's there's gonna be plenty of parts for the F-16. They might have to like reverse engineer for some of the older ones if they were giving them the older variants, like the A or B models. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I agree. I think the back end parts will definitely be there. It's just gonna be getting yeah. the maintenance crews spun up, but it'll be way easier than what the Red Eagles had to do, which was like you've got I don't know who was like buying parts off the black market for the U.S. to keep those things flying. <laughs> Lord of War in real life. It, I mean, it really was. If you if you haven't read that book, it's fascinating history of uh, the Red Eagle Squadron that flew out of Tonopah. I've seen the movie. That was pretty good. It's Nick, There's a Nick Cage. Yeah, Lord of oh, yeah, it's Nick Lord Cage. of War. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm That's talking about Red there. Eagles. 
Yeah. No, you know, I'm, no I'm saying like lo- they would get it through black market like Lord yeah. of War, like an army exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the Red Eagles were having to literally figure it out for themselves versus Ukrainians will have like the full weight of the Western support. Yeah. Yeah. Did the, you know, and not to go on a tangent, but the, the Indian military, you mentioned like the F-16s. Dude, they have an insane, insane amount of different airframes and like even ground vehicles from different countries. Yeah. Like oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure they're they're still flying the uh what's the bison? MiG twenty one. There's st- aren't they still flying the MiG twenty one? Yeah, but it's basically just the airframe. They've completely stripped out like oh, everything. Oh, because they have like a domestic kind of basically one. Yeah, it's got uh, all new avionics. I think even a new yeah. engine. And the MiG-21 is actually a really good dogfighter. Hmm. Um, so there's kind of this infamous story about how the Israeli military beat the U.S. Air Force in a live fly exercise. Um, now, obviously, the, the U.S. was like had a lot of handicaps applied to them. Um, but it was, I think, F-15s versus Su-30s and MiG-21s. And uh, what the, uh, the Indians would do is they would fly, fly their uh, Su-30s way high and back and use the powerful radars to illuminate uh, the F-15s. Hmm. And before the F-15s could engage, they would send the MiG-21s in really low because it's such a small jet and it's really hard to see. Hmm. They'd send them in really low and they'd pop up and engage the F-15s close range. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a very capable little jet. It's just old. Well, well, as coincidence would have it, I just pulled up Indian MiG-21 on Google, and as of May 20th, <laughs> they have grounded their entire MiG-21 fleet. Oh. So, all right, that's uh, the jet is also referred to as, quote, the flying coffin, primarily due to the number of pilots who have lost their lives while flying the machine. Ooh. So maybe, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure back in the day they were, they were f- insanely good. But it, I mean, uh, parts get tired, you know, metal warps and... Yep. It, I mean, the, what, the MiG-21s from, what, like, the mid-50s, late-50s? Yeah. yeah. It was also, it could beat any American jet in a dogfight up until the F-16. Mm. In, like, a 1v1 dogfight, it could outmaneuver any American jet. Yeah, the whole the whole history of the F-16 being, like, a, oh, shit, we need to catch up with the MiG-29 and then overmatching the shit out of it. Yep. <laughs> Dude. Tail is all this time for the U.S. military-industrial complex. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Big fan of that. Huge fan. But, all right, what are you feeling? You want to wrap this up? Yeah, this has been good, man. It's a yeah. lot of good topics that's, that's covered. Good, yeah. Hey, you know what? We hit, uh, we hit, um, Probably about you know, 40, Southeast Asia. A little bit of Southeast Asia, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting more east, so yeah. it's good. Yeah, I'll try, and, I'll try and bring up some more, like, yeah, China topics for, uh, for next time. Yeah. But yeah, this has been solid, man. What, this about has been very solid. Uh, a little less than an hour, I think. Once we have to, we have to trim that little bit in the middle where the, the stuff cut out. Yeah. Oops. Oopsie. Uh, connection has seemed a lot better though. Yeah, and your audio came through way, but yeah, your AirPods were kind of shit too. <laughs> yeah, like way better quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. All right, man. Hey, thanks for making the time. This has been super fun as always. Yeah, for sure, dude. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, your afternoon over there. Will do. All right. Enjoy the time with the family. For our listeners, thanks for joining us. Apologies for the hiatus, but hopefully we brought a uh, worthwhile episode to, to satiate your hunger. We are and, back. Uh, t- 
Till next time, this is Hitman signing off. This is Maverick signing off. All right, catch you all later. Bye.